Hello and welcome to Open School of Business. Today, I have a pleasure to introduce you to Kanat Bektimirov from SupplyPike. Uh, he's a CTO there, and he has a load of experience in Silicon Valley, uh, starting his own business, then pivoting to a business with the co-founders. And before, he worked for Google, Zoom, and other big companies, uh, which he's going to talk about his journey today with us. Uh, welcome, Kanat. Hi, Anar. Happy, happy to be here. Uh, great. Uh, we're so... Uh, excited about meeting a Kazakh person who is doing a real uh, startup dream job in Silicon Valley. So uh, we'd like to first start off uh, with you introducing your business and how you started it with your co-founders. Mm. Sure. Um, I joined in the early phases, so I'm not a co-founder, um, but I am the CTO of SupplyPy. We are a um, software company here in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, the reason we're located here is a lot of the retailers, uh, a lot of the logistics companies are based off here in Northwest Arkansas. So Walmart is the biggest retailer in the world. JB Hunt, biggest transportation company in the world. And Tyson is the biggest poultry uh, company in the world. So be because of those three big companies, there's like a whole ecosystem of supply chain companies in this area. So one of the reasons I am here is still here is uh, that, but we build software mainly for brands um, to do well within uh, retailers like Walmart and Target. Each of these retailers come with their own rules, regulations and compliance programs on how each of these brands should do business with them. Um, so we kind of pull data from a lot of different places and then help these brands uh, make sense of these compliance rules and uh, help them make more money, lose less money to the stuff that you know they should sh shouldn't have lost to begin with. Um, that's at the core. Uh, primarily built software for different physical, different brands that make physical products and sell to these uh, big box retailers. Very good. Uh, are there any examples you'd like to share uh, about your big clients or maybe small clients that? have been able to uh, do their contracts with the big retailers? Um, we mostly, we, we, we work with small and big companies. Uh, in the early days, uh, we got a lot of our success from smaller brands uh, who are selling specifically to Walmart. Um, but these days we work with some of the largest uh, uh, brands in the world. Um, you know, anything you see in the shelves of Walmart, probably works with us, um, Johnson & Johnson, KDP, but also um, brands are just starting uh, their sales at Walmart and they might only be available in like five stores or something. So that's the beauty of software. Once you build something, it works for, um, the pro if the problem exists for small companies as well as big companies, you just build it once and then it works um, for most of their needs. Yes, uh, it's amazing. I love uh, what you mentioned about the software, the beauty of it. But obviously, to build the software that is high class and um, going to withstand all the tests of time with a lot of people using it and etc. So it's very important to build a team that is uh, highly trained and experienced like yourself. So uh, could you share with us your experience getting the job and um, how they recruited you uh, and also 
about how you build your team because then you became a CTO, you have a large team of IT people. Yeah. Um, after I, I worked in the Bay Area a little bit and then came back uh, to Arkansas. Um, and then that's when I met somebody, started a company of my own, did that for a year and a half. Uh, but it is hard. It was my just first time out of college. Um, so uh, I was trying to make a decision between should we keep doing it? Should I go back to the Bay Area? Um, so that's when I got reconnected from a, a friend of mine from college who was doing this uh, R&D division within a bigger company. Um, so talk, um, I liked him and then uh, he also was able to uh, recruit one of the people I looked up to highly at the time. Um, so they were just starting a brand new division within the bigger company, uh, R&D division. Um, so I joined at the early days of that group um, a few days later, uh, not a few days later, a few years later, we sort, uh, we split off as our own company became supply, uh, known as supply pack in 2018. Um, so, so until then we had a funding of a bigger company. Uh, we didn't have to worry too much about payroll or anything like that. Uh, since we're an R and D division, there wasn't much expectations of, you know, uh, bringing a lot of revenue, but when we did the split in 2018, that's when we had to worry about, oh, okay, we actually need to make real money now so that we can hire people and pay them. Um, but the first two years when we were part of this bigger uh, company, um, it helped us to uh, build the environment we wanted to build. We didn't have to too much worry too much about if we can afford market rates and stuff like that since we were funded by a bigger company. Um, so we were lucky, unlike most startups, to build a team early on before we split uh, so by the time we split, we all had a really good team uh, of people. Um, so at this point, we had to figure out something that actually uh, works and sellable. Uh, <laughs> but yes. we put a lot of uh, uh, our bar has always been really high in terms of uh, who we bring in. So most of our interviews are kind of long, you go through multiple processes, multiple people, and then they're mostly vetting for, are you really good at, you know, like uh, whatever the skills are necessary for the job. So I think when you put the bar slightly higher at the entrance, uh, you by default attract uh, smarter people. And it is, I think in general, it is easier to work with smarter people. Um, and then you also need to put some checks to make sure they're not, you know, completely uh, unreasonable to work with. And then they actually have good personalities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always important, of course. Yeah, so it's it was a great start. And uh, uh, I wonder what kind of company it was when it started off, when Supply Pike uh, yeah, went uh, on its own. It was known as K-Stack. Um, so uh, the reason we split was K-Stack was looking to be acquired itself. So K-Stack was a company that was making $200 million a year. Uh, so it was looking to be acquired. Uh, it was a more of a logistics services company. So in 2018, right before we, or right after we split, they got acquired by a public company called Hub Group for $250 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the triggers for us to split was we didn't want to be part of that acquisition. Uh, mm-hmm. So nice, I think it's very nice. unique. I, I haven't seen that yes. case before. Uh, right. They were, everybody was happy at the end. 
Right. So um, your CEO currently made the decision, okay, I want to have my own division, but now we're going to be independent. It's going to be our own business. Exactly. Kind of okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. The yeah. That... <laughs> Case stack. Um, he funded the R&D division, but when we split, he also uh, was one of the main investors um, in our new company. Mm -hmm. So you still have the uh, backing of that uh, Keystack company that was acquired? No. Uh, no, not we, anymore. We have zero relationships with them oh. after the split. Just mm -hmm. the, the CEO at the time of Keystack, he put a lot of his own money to uh, mm -hmm. help us start this new company. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how angel investors actually start up. They know the people they work with and that's where your money should go usually. So it's an interesting journey for your company for sure. And as for you as well, you went into director of uh, strategic initiatives. And how was that changed? Because you are somebody very technical, very talented, of course, but this was a completely new area of like sales and you know, logistics and things that are completely new. How was that transition? It wasn't too bad because most of the core leadership, we've been together from the beginning. Um, we, the reason that change happened was um, one of the sales leaders uh, stepped away from the company. So we had a big, um, you know, hole to fit. That's when our CEO at the time, um, he's also very technical. He's the person who I joined, uh, you know, who I said that I went to college with and then the reason I joined. Uh, so he comes from like a computer science background as well, is a CEO. Um, so like that alignment was easy. Uh, and then uh, I stepped in more to help with, uh, now that we have a little bit of product, we gotta figure out how to sell. Um, so that's when I came in with my more of an engineering background and tried to figure out how can we improve our sales process. Um, that's when uh, I got a lot more involved with our lead generation side. So how do we bring in a lot of the people that who want to talk to us? So we ran a lot of experiments and you know automations. And then once people came to talk to us, we had a different problem. Okay, okay so we showed them the software, but they're not really buying it. Um, how do we fix that? So I did that for about uh, two years uh, while still trying to uh, run the engineering side of things. Um, so wow. we, we, yeah. we wear a lot of hats and we still do. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of have to do whatever is necessary at the time. Yeah. So you were mainly focused um, about bringing in the clients, uh, the uh, people who want companies who want to sell at big retailers. Yes. Uh, so was there a person who was com uh, completely responsible for actually retailers themselves and bringing them on board? Uh, we have good relationships, but we don't sell to the retailers themselves. Uh, we integrate with a lot of their processes and systems to pull data and push data and stuff like that, but they're not our official clients. And that's not the direction we want to be either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't pay, but they get a, a service where they could choose products and companies, right? Yeah, so they, but, they refer a lot of their own, um, you know, brands to come work with us because it's more efficient mm -hmm. for them to work through us than, you know, um, somebody directly on the retailer side. Okay. 
because it, it's so much regulation and so many work processes that is very important when you design the product, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. somebody went in and, and studied all of that before you build the product. Is that correct? Yes. We, 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 before we write any line of code, we try to make sure we do a lot of research, market research, user research to see if this problem is worth solving. If we do solve this thing or build this new feature, is it gonna bring us uh, new revenue? Is it gonna help us retain more of our current customers? Um, so in the early days, we weren't good about that, but these days we have to be very diligent about what we're actually gonna build. So we have product managers who are constantly out there trying to talk to new and existing users to see what's worth building. And once we do decide to build something, we try to make sure, uh, set some success criteria around, okay, how do we know this decision was a good decision uh, and by when? Um, so that's usually around, okay, did it, did it improve some usage in the app? Did it bring in new customers? Did this um, marketing campaign that we ran around this uh, feature, did it bring in a lot of demos kind of like stuff? Instead of trying to figure all of that after the feature is built, we try to do it before any sort of work happens. Mm -hmm. Now that's a very smart uh, move. And um, um, I'm curious about when you were working with the clients and you said, okay, they were coming and talking to us, but not buying the software. So after working for two years on that problem, uh, what did you come up with? How did you solve that challenge? I'm sure everyone is very curious about that. Yeah, I was never a, a frontline sales rep um before so we had to figure out how sales actually work um so we talked to a lot of different uh, founders to see you know how they're running their sales teams like at the time you got to realize we have a ceo and cto who are both coming come from technical backgrounds so have never done sales before plus we also had a really good um uh, uh, sales reps but they're mostly also young as well you know we had to give a lot of guidance um Lots of learning from the beginning, um, trying read books about, you know, different sales frameworks, uh, talk to people about how they manage and organize their teams. Um, there's uh, sales tactics like challenger sales and value-based sales and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to learn and see what the user or how people perceive. But the biggest mentality shift for us was Speaking, I mean, it sounds obvious now, but speaking from their perspective on what they get out of it versus us trying to say, oh, we have this, we have that, we have this. Um, and another big lesson was we weren't, it sounds again, um, weird. We weren't charging enough. People saw our pricing and didn't take us seriously because it was way too cheap. So we <laughs> had to upgrade, uh, bump up the price a lot more. Um, no, we're technical people, so we don't like to talk, talk to sales reps. So like initial designs of the software was kind of like that. I just want to enter my credit card, sign up for a monthly subscription. But in the enterprise sales for uh, B2B world, that is not common. People want to talk to sales reps. People want, people prefer annual contracts or monthly. So a lot of the stuff we had to change as we talk to customers. Because when you put an annual contract, it, it, seem, it makes it seem more serious. Um, they want to talk to people to get some of their uh, answers clarified rather than just going through a sign-up process on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these hard lessons we learned in the first six months. 
Wow, it's amazing. I love that you are validating all the stuff that um, I run a school called Elevate Your Business for small business owners and people who are just starting out. And we go through some of these big topics like job to be done, speak from the perspective of the customer, what do they want to achieve? Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that it's actually really working and uh, you are uh, seeing the results of it in, in real big profits. And like the market model, especially the pricing model is very important. And B2B from B2C, of course, is a huge difference. But I, I see that in a lot of startups because we're in the world where we like to be um, competitive in terms of pricing and do this monthly membership where uh, things are very um, affordable, but it's not the case, I guess, when you, when you try to sell very big, serious product to big companies. So uh, I'd like to go back, uh, retract a bit uh, about your own startup. What was going on? Uh, why I decided to uh, get out of it? And uh, given a chance, what kind of new startup would you do in the future? I don't exactly know why I even did that. Um, I had offers, <clears throat> full-time offers from Google and Amazon at the time, um, but I did a uh, short internship with them. Um, so I got a little bit of a trial on those, but I didn't want to go back to them. I don't know, maybe when I was young, I wanted to take more risks. And you know, I think at the time I said, if I don't do a startup now, I probably won't It'll probably be harder to get in the future. Um, so I met uh, a guy that, um, well, I got introduced to a guy who was going through a um, uh, startup uh, accelerator here in Arkansas. We talked, um, uh, we liked each other, and then we wanted to do this. Um, the company was called HumanLink, and we were building software to connect um, elder care givers with uh, care seekers. So I. If you have like a parents uh, and then you need, uh, they live in a different town and then you need um, like a caregiver for them. Um, so we're building like a, a place to find those and then do more caregiver, care specific stuff in the app. Yeah, that was my first time doing. Um, so I didn't know a lot of stuff. I focused too much on building the software than trying to uh, talk to users, uh, finding users, sales, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we kept building uh, the school app that nobody wanted to use. Um, so that was the biggest uh, learning. And then eventually we ran out of money. So that's usually how it goes. Either you ran out of time or you ran out of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was the thing. We, we did that. Was perfect. your co-founder also technical? Co-founder was not technical. He came from more of a um, uh, consulting uh uh, side of things, um, but also hasn't done startups in the past. Um, so that was his first time trying to do a software startup as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's usually would have been maybe a better chance if the person was from the care industry to begin with, but mm -hmm. he wasn't right. He was a consultant. No, he just uh, experienced okay. the problem. That's mm -hmm. why you want to make a solution. Usually that's how it goes in yep. a lot of these startups. You experience a problem and then you want to write the software to solve it. 
Right, right. And I'm sure there are com companies that do that. Well, I hope there are at least. I know mm -hmm. for childcare, there is a marketplace where you can find a nanny. Yes. Um, so it's similar to that. Um, I was wondering if there is any uh, software like that uh, that is equivalent to Supply Pike currently. Supply Pike, uh, we, we have competitors. Um... Well, I think we were one of the early players to solve this specific problem we're solving now. Um, mm -hmm. So there's no direct competitors, but pretty much every single company has a, some sort of solution to some of the stuff we do. Uh, but we don't have like a true direct competitor feature by feature. Um, we support multiple retailers, whereas some of the competitors might focus on one specific retailer. Um, some of the Competitors that support do support multiple retailers. They don't go as deep. We go very deep into every single retailer, how they work, um, um, how the user, how our customers interact with them. Um, so, mm -hmm. awesome. And, and another question about international markets: Do you have the software that is translated into other languages, or it's all only English? So far, just U.S. only, a uh, little bit of Canada, because Canada's um, retailers are mostly similar to the U.S. retailers. Mm. Mm -hmm. In the next few years, maybe there's going to be international considerations, but uh, our our space is very contextualized to uh, that retailer-specific rules and regulations, and I think every company or every country is uh, a lot different. We can't just like copy paste and open an international uh, office and start selling. It has right. to be a whole new product for us. Um, so it's, it's it, has, it hasn't been brought up too often internally yet. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes, uh, so how was your experience at the Amazon and Google? What did you learn from working there? And uh, uh, I guess I am a bit curious about the apps that you built there and how they turn out. Yeah, those internships one of, uh, were one of the best times uh, uh, of my life. Uh, you're surrounded by, uh, usually in the summers, thousand, uh, a thousand to two thousand interns, uh, tech interns who are you know same age as you, uh, you know very smart. They had to get through these uh, rigorous interview processes to be there, and then plus these companies treat interns really well. They pay them a lot of money. This even this like this was like ten years ago. They were still. They were paying us like $10,000 a month, like 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know how, how it is now. Uh, so you're in, the, and then plus when you come there, you're mostly there to learn. They don't expect you to uh, uh, deliver a lot, but most people are always smart enough. They're contributing from day one. Um, so Amazon at the time was working on, um, I don't know if they still have it. They, they had like a iPad competitor called Kindles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I have kids a Kindle. Use I, don't it. Have the, I don't know if they have like a tablet version. Um, so Kindle I was, Fire, yeah, I think. Kindle Fire, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So um, they have a browser that they were maintaining for Kindle Fire. I worked in that browser for a little bit. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, ten, uh, ten years ago, it was very cool. Uh, probably not anymore. Uh, so my team built um, where we took basically screenshots for like the top. 5,000 most popular pages on the internet every two minutes. And then when you, uh, when a user clicks on that link, for example, while the page is loading, we show like a screenshot while uh, 
that page is uh, loading. So like CNN or New York Times. Uh, it's for useful for uh, uh, people with slow internet. While the page is loading, we just show in the already available image. Mm -hmm. yeah. Google was pretty cool. Um, uh, we were working on a brand new app um, at, uh, to help uh, carpool internal users or internal Google employees. Google had like, what, 40,000 employees in their Mountain View office. Um, so we built this thing where it connects to their Google Maps history, tries to figure out who's, uh, what's everybody's commute look like. And then we automatically try to match make them say, Hey, you seem to take this route from this time to this time every day. Do you want to, uh, carpool together? And then we would even offer them money because, um, I don't know that California had some sort of, uh, uh, incentive for, uh, being, uh, efficient with, uh, driving, uh, mm -hmm. I think a, a, a year later after I left, the, the thing became like a part of the Waze, Waze app somehow. Uh, I wasn't too familiar. It's mm -hmm. very cool to work at a very large scale like that. Yeah, of course. And I think it's the future, to be frank, when we don't have to really everyone have a car and we uh -huh. could just uh, sort of couple or maybe create some kind of automated drone trains, <laughs> I don't know, something like that. Something yeah, very fuel efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I love um, your experience there. And uh, I, it certainly gives you perspective, I think. And yeah. uh, it's very people, innovative. Smartest people ever, Amazon and Google learned a ton. Uh, but I think at the time I want to slightly more control of things instead of uh, uh, just being part of a small team that's all I have everything defined and being part of something very small. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah. also, uh, everybody who I knew at the time who went to go work for them five years five years later were already millionaires. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. But you know, even to get to that stage, that's another question I'm curious about. What do you think have enabled you to do that? Because that. You know how many people go through, you know, tons of tutoring, uh, summers going different internships, uh, very well-rounded students, they still don't get a spot. Whereas you, an immigrant who just came into the country and moved when you were a teen, um, got yourself to the position where you were uh, so competitive that you got selected. So what do you think has made it really? Do you have any, uh, you think, things that have influenced you in that direction? Hmm. Interesting. Mm, what I noticed with people, um, I just went to a public high school here in the U.S., so it's not like anything fancy or anything. Uh, it, was, um, it was up to individuals to figure out the world around them. So a lot of people around me, they just kind of got uh, uh, knowledge about the world just through their local surroundings, so like their friends. But I always, um, I grew up in the internet, so I, I found every single corner of the corner of the internet to try to build a better worldview uh, through the internet. So I think I got exposed to what's possible mostly through the internet. Um, so okay, so okay, even though I'm going to this Arkansas State School, uh, I can actually do apply uh, to these uh, uh, companies are in the uh, Bay Area or in a different state. 
Um, and then you do a little bit of digging, you find out, okay, their internship programs that actually do kind of uh, offer uh, relocation fees and stuff like that. So I think going further to do this research helped me a lot. Uh, stuff like Reddit and there, I think at the time, 10 years ago, a bunch of Facebook groups where people sharing knowledge about um, how these interview processes work at these companies, how to apply, all that kind of stuff. Whereas a lot of my uh, uh, classmates in college, they weren't even aware because they didn't even know how, how to do it because they don't come, these big companies don't come recruit at many schools. Uh, but a lot of them thought, oh, I can only work for these companies who come recruit at my university. Um, and then once that sort of uh, goes, went in, like all these startup stuff as well, mostly trying to build a better worldview through uh, the information out there on the internet, um, instead of just trying to uh, work with what you have now. Eventually introduced to relevant, important people in the industry, start reading their books, all that kind of stuff. Um, trying to expand and get a better worldview is probably what helped me. Hmm. Wow. I, I love how you really put it all in a context. I think that really helps doing an extra mile research and reading. So you mentioned some books. Are there any books that you love and you like live by by any chance? Mm, a lot of my business knowledge came from uh, a lot of more of these uh, nonfiction books uh, in the startup world. Um, uh, what are the good ones? Um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel is probably a must short book, must read short book. Uh, mm -hmm. What is the other one? Startup Handbook. Uh, I forget the author. Startup Handbook. One, uh, large, uh, big red book. It's a good one. I personally like Founders at Work. Um, it was, uh, what's her name? Uh, Paul Graham's wife, Jessica something. Uh, she talks about people, kind of like what we're talking now, they talk about uh, people's past, how they started their companies. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, the Red Book of Startups, the Startup Owner's Manual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that cool. helped us a lot here. This is all great. I mean, you're also a polyglot, you know, so many languages. I think it kind of helps with certain things. <laughs> I, <Okay. laughs> and then, of course, you know, all the uh, programming languages on top of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very nice. Good. So uh, now that you are uh, at this company and working uh, there, uh, what are your aspirations for the future? Maybe your passion project uh, or something you want to achieve personally or professionally? At this company? Um, it can be outside as well. It can be anything. Mm. Um, and the next feature, uh, in the near future, I think we need to make uh, current supply by um, the best company to work for. P everybody who's here, I think they need to feel like this is sort of like the best place. And uh, they want to be here, not just because they have to, but they actually want to be here. So building a, a culture where they enjoy their work and they feel like they're part of something. It's probably the, my biggest, um, uh, not worry, but like goal uh, at supply by. Um, hopefully then I don't know, medium term future, we will take supply bike, we'll, we'll grow supply bike to even bigger scales. And then hopefully uh, we'll figure out what the next step is, whether it's, you know, it becoming part of another bigger company or something. Uh, but me personally, I think I like starting things from small, um, in the future, I could see myself 
trying to build something, but don't grow it too, too big. Um, it would be awesome if I could have a team of 10 people and then managing a uh, software company that's bringing uh, a lot more money, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think it's all doable in the future. I look forward to uh, meeting you and co- having conversations with you again. Thank you so much for your time, Hanat. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.